0: everybody and welcome back for another episode of Mangum Reads. We're doing a bit of a weird episode this time because we have finished off all of our nominees for the 2020 Hugo Best Short Story. We're doing a bit of a recap of what our opinions and thoughts are both in how we would rank these stories and how oddly enough we would compare them to various meals that come to mind. But before we get into that, <laughs> we have both a actual literal aperitif prepared as well as the after dinner mint that comes in the form of, the little, of uh, a additional short story that BJ recommended. But... Digestif is what you're looking for. Eh, after dinner, mint, digestif, it all works. But uh, in terms of going into that, we like to start, before we ever get into the actual episode discussing the stories, with our drink recommendation. And for that, we turn to Sarah. Sarah, what have you got for us this week?
1: Yeah, so I have actually um, found, I believe, a cocktail that ties in both to our larger theme of the stories that we're doing as well as our digestif or after dinner ment, depending on the caliber of restaurant you're at. Um, mm. <laughs> and so I have a cocktail that's called The End of the Road, um, mm. partially because we are at the end of the road of the short stories that we have read for the Hugo Award nominees, <laughs> uh, as we will <laughs> talk about. Um, but also because in our, our little short story that we are going to talk about this week, um, There is an end of the road mentioned. So I've made an end of the road, which is a relatively simple cocktail. It is equal parts of bourbon, um, green chartreuse, and Campari. um, Shaken and then sort of poured into a festive glass. And uh, it's appropriately named and fine as a cocktail.
2: It is awfully bitter. You know, what what color and... What color is it? Because it sounds Gross. ...weirdly brown. Okay. <laughs>
1: no, it's a, it's. I it ends up. I think that the the coloring of the Campari, the red of the Campari, mm. um, it just overwhelms the green of the Chartreuse. So it's like a a kind of muddled red, but it's mostly red. Okay. Especially because the bourbon itself is brown, um, which kind right. of helps to overwhelm the green of the Chartreuse, which is like a relatively subtle green. Um, Right. So actually the color is not off-putting, the, t- the taste is not off- off-putting, but it is...
2: Particular. It's
1: particular, it, it is particular, it is very bitter. Um, when you are putting equal parts of Campari in anything, I have questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really just a recipe I found on the internet, but I, I don't know, I would wish if I, if I were making this again sort of just for myself, the flavors I like... Um, but I would shift things around a little bit to have less of the Campari, honestly less of the chartreuse as well, and then potentially add in like a little bit of simple syrup. Um, Mm -hmm. so if I were making it, I might do sort of two to one to one bourbon, Campari and chartreuse, and then throw in a little simple syrup and maybe then like a little lemon juice or something to brighten it up a little bit. Um, but it's fine. (laughs) No Which is maybe how we're going to talk about the <laughs> stories that we read.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have a variety of a variety of views to come. Maybe a few drink comparisons, too, depending mm-hmm. on how mm-hmm. everybody wants to describe these various stories. Yeah. but it will be fun. Yeah. In terms of how we want to go through this, uh, if we're going to assign, you know, rankings to each of these stories, just last-second comments, and also comparisons between stories and meals or drinks based on our thoughts. Do we want to pick a story and then express all our thoughts about that and just go through them?
2: Yeah, so so let's go um, in a list. um, We want to go in reading order? uh, Yeah, let's do that. Um, But the other thing that I wanted to mention to you, Sarah, is if you're ever in San Diego, there is a uh, Cured Meats and Negroni warehouse that is a place, and I think you would be entertained by it.
1: What is, I, I can understand a cured meats warehouse. I don't understand what a Negroni warehouse means.
2: Um, I'm going to gonna send you a link in, in okay. the chat and you can take a look at, at what this place is. Excellent. Um, I went there and it was entertaining. Perfect. Um, so we have the Hugo Awards um, and I guess let's, we can go in the order that, that we ended up reading them mm-hmm. um, and start with, um, what was it? As the so Last, as I, the may last I May Know. So as the Last I Know, and now his lordship is laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I can start
0: us off with as, as the Last I May Know. I, as said, I like this one quite a bit. Uh, I enjoyed its mixing in of various poeticisms. I enjoyed the kind of philosophical debate that we got into as a result of the story. I thought it was very well written, very carefully structured. I, I agree with some of the conclusions you guys raised now in retrospect that it may not have had necessarily the depth of some of the other stories we've gone into and the intensity of the discussion that we had as a result. But I still thought that it was a mastery of work in terms of its, the, the quality of the production it got into. And so I would rank it pretty high. It would definitely be my top half, maybe number two or number three in terms of uh, the stories that we went through. And if I was to compare, um, should I say what dish I would compare it to now or do we want to do, do, do all those together when we get there?
1: But let's do it in the um, moment so that, and maybe yeah, we yeah. can then recap when we get there if we, if we feel like it. But I will forget what my comparisons are if we don't do them in the moment. Okay.
2: Yeah. So I'll, I'll write them down and, and then I think okay. we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the meal that we'd end up eating with this uh, selection of stored stories. Okay. Well, somebody else's thoughts then for the story? What's your... No, oh, what what sorry. meal are you doing with it? Gotcha.
0: Uh, for me, this story stands out in terms of its comparisons to a catalog of storms, which we talked about in the last episode of where a lot of us described mm. it in desserty terms. terms. Mm. Um, for me, this would be just a very carefully constructed chef's dish of where I didn't even know what the name was on the menu, but I ordered it. And not only was I impressed by the flavor, I was impressed by the construction that went into it, too. That's mm. something I'd want to talk about and recommend other people try just because of how carefully... Crafted and prepared this unique deserty artistry was in comparison to the flavorless sorbet that was uh, a catalog of storms. We'll say
2: uh, so. So, chef's okay. dessert, yeah, a, a chef's special dessert.
1: Okay, um, B.J., would you like me to talk about the story, or would you like to?
2: Um, well, let's finish up on you because I think that that you are a little bit, you have a little bit different take than we do.
1: Okay, go ahead.
2: In some ways, mm-hmm. um, so so for me, this was a pleasant story. Um, it, it was a well done, well thought out story. It was pretty, it was, uh, well written and it was pleasant. Um, it's, it's something that I would recommend, but I don't think I will remember it next year. Um, and, um, I'll, I'll go along with Spencer and I'll say to me, this is a, um, a fruit chart, Hmm. you know, it was, it's pleasant, it has some variety, but and it ranks as something that I like, but not not something that I would go back to um, very quickly.
1: Yeah. And I would say, um, I still maintain that this is probably actually of the stories, maybe the one, I'm looking at the list now, I think this is the one I think least about um, mm-hmm. moving forward. And like, I, I kind of had this take that I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I didn't care about it when we were reading it. And I was excited to have this kind of interim period to see if that persisted or to see if, like, something stuck in my head or was kind of niggling at me or whatever. Um, Still don't care about it, let's be honest. But I do stand by, thinking back on it, I do stand by my original assessment that it's a beautifully constructed short story. And it does everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you objectively want a short story to do therefore for me it really functions as like a foam that you would get Mm -hmm. (laughs) possibly in relation to some sort of sorbet as kind of a a, a palate cleanser um it is not a meal in and of itself to me um and i think that the sort of foam-like quality that perhaps degenerates over time after you have read it uh really continues
2: to persist in my estimation of this story so so like a solid cappuccino maybe
1: yeah i mean i think that if you were going to do the sort of this might actually even be a good affogato affogato yeah i think maybe somewhere in between the meal and the dessert um Mm -hmm. but not it doesn't have the substance in and of itself to constitute any real food for me yeah okay
0: I, and um, I, I didn't hear from you guys, but where would you rank this the story among the uh, six that we read?
1: Our is our. Can I clarify something here for a second? Is our ranking purely on because we've talked about these in multiple ways in the episodes that we've done? Is our mm-hmm. ranking on these purely how we liked them or where we would recommend them to
2: other people? Um so so maybe both and then you know we'll we'll do like an overall ranking of the stories like what what do we think should win okay and what was the weakest story maybe and sort of an order there okay um, but we can go back to that maybe mm-hmm. like and just, just talk okay. about them as a group there in sure. our ordering okay that's fine uh
0: well and now we go on to and now his lordship is laughing mm-hmm. spencer uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. how, how,
0: Second favorite story uh, No, uh, overall, right? <laughs> Not so much, no. I, I, I don't think I'd put this as my worst story, but I think it'd be my number two worst, uh, mm-hmm. where it, it didn't resonate with me. I thought that it had a lot of potential. I thought that it had a lot of fun things that could have been developed more, but ultimately came across as being a bit of a jumbled mess of a lot of ideas that didn't really come together in a way I found that interesting. Um, it's in mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting area of literature. It's a very interesting area of myth. And then doesn't really go into a lot of things that I found what could have been potentially interesting or fun to explore. It's mostly just a revenge story. Whether that resonates Mm -hmm. with you or not, for me, it's not a genre I find that interesting. And so I would describe this as being a kind of a stew of where there's a lot of interesting ingredients put in, but the recipe was misread. And so the ultimate, the ultimate ultimate product is not that edible. It, it's, you, can, you can see all the various nice ingredients that went in, but somehow when you put them all together, it's just not as tasty. I mean, like if I was to reference something from my own childhood, my dad makes something that's called ranch casserole, which I like every ingredient individually. But when put together, I found it entirely inedible. And that's kind of how this functions for me. There's a lot of pieces, there's a lot of potential. We had a wonderful discussion from this store because of how many fun moving pieces there are in it. And a lot mm-hmm. of dark foreboding atmosphere attached to it. But then never goes any deeper to it. So, yeah, some kind of casserole or stew that a lot of um, great moving parts that don't work together in combination
2: for me. Spencer, mm-hmm. I, I I might be speaking for Sarah as well when I really want to know what ranch casserole is. I can send you the recipe. I.
1: We might can have give you recorded it quick it some now?
2: <laughs> picture a lot of stereotypical
0: Texan foods and put them all together okay. in a pan and cook them together. It's meant to be very classically, the ranch hands have come in from the end of the day, and I've got nine kinds of stereotypical Texan leftovers. I'll put them all together and cook them and serve them to people.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Because I have a recipe for ranch chicken that is one of my favorite sort of childhood recipes, and it is not that.
2: Okay. Different dish. So so not ranch dressing, like no, ranch casserole. No, 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 no. Okay. okay. Cool. Um, so... I, I line up a, a lot more with you, Spencer, um, where I didn't like this story particularly. Um, and for me, it was a lot, a lot of it was um, what I got out of the feel of the story and reading it, it was just, it wasn't an easy read. Whereas as the last time I know it was a very easy read. It was, it was pleasant to read mm-hmm. and I didn't find um, A Now's Lordship is Laughing to be a pleasant read, but I thought it was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And I guess to me, like the revenge aspect was a little bit more minor um, and I sort of liked the way, the progression of what happened in the story and sort of how they dealt with like the, how uh Shivramdas dealt with the uh, magical aspect of this story. Um, and so I'm actually going to reference a very specific dish um, that I had that, that made me, it made me frustrated with the, the restaurant. <laughs> Um, there's a place on UCSD campus that they, there's a restaurant that's relatively famous in the area that opened an outpost on the, on campus and they mostly do like meatball sliders. Um, but they also do, uh, a roasted Brussels sprout side mm. and it had all of the makings of being interesting. It had, you know, su- uh, like a vinegar dressing, I think with like. Uh, maybe some bacon bits or maybe without, cause whatever it was, it was like a, it, it had interesting ingredients that sounded like they'd be good, but instead of roasting it, they basically steamed it afterwards and then it was way too sour, oh. at, like vinegary. And so it was, it was bad, but it should have been so good.
1: Well, so I think I liked this story more than either of you did.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's not... <laughs>
1: Hard. <laughs> sure um, although I think that I, I think that I just i don't think that our assessments are necessarily that different. I just think that the relative weight mm-hmm. of what we care about in a given story has been distributed differently,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I think yeah. that all of your criticisms of this story are absolutely fair, um, and this is this story particularly, Spencer is why I asked you, all of us the question of. <laughs> when we come down to a final assessment, what are we actually ranking in this sure. story um, because i actually this story is super problematic obviously um the writing is not great in a lot of places um but i have a lot mm-hmm. of I have a lot of love for this story, and for me, it comes down to this idea of um i think i think part of it is 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 very personal in that i am consistently interested in um sort of british colonialism in india Mm -hmm. and how that functions and 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 have been for a number of years so like this is this is kind of in my wheelhouse in that way um but Mm -hmm. what i particularly appreciated about it even though i think that it could have been executed better i love the idea of a kind of personal story of Struggle and magical overcoming overcoming in the face of a colonial system of oppression against what I think is actually a very well described background of the systemic violence of that system
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so I think that actually the the difficulties for me in the story come in the personal description of or, or the description of a sort of individual act in face of that system. But what I love and do think is really effective, although we disagreed, I think about this Spencer on the episode we did on this story. um, I loved the background that this author was giving um, and the kind of subtle background of what was going on in the colonial system in the, in the region, in the sort of Indian state um, around the personal story of this narrative. So for for me I, I it's hard to judge if it's a successful story or not because like I I just enjoyed part parts of it. So in terms of in terms of food, like I think of this story as the accompanying bread that has not had the correct amount of yeast put into it.
0: <laughs> Weird. BJ, please write all these down. It's going to be a fascinating <laughs> meal we have for each of these stories when we're done.
1: Because I actually, like, I think that the story itself, the story strikes me as sort of a staple of what I want out of stories.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just not done correctly.
0: It, 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 it's an interesting point you make there, because upon rereading, my view of the parts of the story has gotten better than the first time I read it. Oh, interesting. I think the things that put me off, and put, it put me off originally a lot, and I still don't like it, but it confirms with it, is that... If this had been one or the other, I would have liked it better.
2: Hmm. If this
0: had been an analysis of the era and the historical perspective and going into that, it was a very interesting era and a perspective that's not talked about as much until recent years, of that era of history and that location, that would have been great. That is is an interesting era to talk about. If it had been going into the um, Hindu mythology and connecting with the the spirituality with respect to that in greater detail, that would have been great. But they don't mix that well. They come across as being very separate and not well connected, particularly Mm -hmm. the mythological aspect to me. Which is just kind of stuck at the end with either of, it's almost like it's depending you, re- relying on you having enough of a background to be committed to it and understand that it's a constant connecting thread because it's not really developed until that moment where it suddenly becomes magical.
1: Yeah. Right. And I wonder, because like, there is a world in which that disconnect is part of the story or is the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would be, I think to your Wait, Spencer I would be more generous in the reading if there weren't authors who had done that successfully sure. you know
0: mm-hmm okay uh, well next in order I believe we go on to our 10 excerpts from an annotated uh, bibliography mm-hmm uh, the cannibal women of retin
2: island and blood is another word for hunger yeah uh, yeah so two two of our probably most this is probably our most polar episode i want to say or pairing uh we definitely i think it's definitely our longest episode we had a lot to talk about when it came to these two stories yep um so so let's start with uh blood is another word for hunger okay Mm -hmm. um spencer
0: i feel like i liked the story better
2: than you guys did
0: uh i was trying to make some efforts (laughs) at defending this story at least my (laughs) perspective on it we were going through it Uh, Mm um Like we talked about in the episode, this story gave me a lot of beloved vibes. And I liked that a lot, a, bit, a, a, a lot. That's a genre of literature I quite enjoyed, and it was a very unique perspective when I read it for the first time. In some ways, with respect to the revenge plot, I enjoy where this story starts more than I liked where the story starts. For and now his lordship, now his lordship is laughing, and mm-hmm. that it's going through the aftermath of revenge and what that perspective on it is, and how a person can cope with that sudden absence in their life. And that's not a genre or a focus I've read as much, and I found it interesting to go through and see how that was. I enjoy the analysis and unpacking of interpreting a lot of the absence that is the story, because there is a lot that... There's not a lot happening. And there's a lot of moments where it almost seems intentionally something isn't happening. And what is happening often doesn't seem to either make sense or be that relevant for what the story seems to actually want to talk about or focus on. And I don't think that's very well implemented, I don't think it ultimately comes across as being that successful but a lot of those points and focus of what I think the, re- the writer is wanting to talk about I find very interesting and fascinating and resonated with quite a bit just purely from my own background of things I like or my own memories of other things I enjoyed that did it better. And so if I was to describe this like a dish, it would be someone else making one of my favorite childhood recipes <laughs> as, as, as a category of something. Like, if someone else was doing a spin on, to reference a dish, uh, my dad's uh, chicken carbonara, something like that. A dish I've always enjoyed in childhood, one that immediately brings a smile to my face, one that I, I can instantly talk to my parents about, of how, about various aspects of it, because of how familiar with it I am and how much i enjoyed it. And then someone else does a different spin on it that isn't, is both different and not as good. where I've got the touches of that nostalgic appreciation and resonating with key aspects of a favorite dish, but it's not as well implemented. And so it makes for a weird feeling in my mind of potential and hearkening back without necessarily with a full accomplishment in its own regard. Hmm. So this is a pasta dish, yes? Uh, it's a mostly, for him, it's a, mostly a, savo- a savory chicken dish with on, on either pasta or rice. But it can be done in a different way.
2: I, I really want
0: to eat in your dad's kitchen for a while. <laughs> uh, sometime after a vaccine comes around, you're free to do so. <laughs> He confuses me. But for a lot of these, I'm more feeling a general category, but for me, Mm -hmm. it's just imagine a nostalgic dish that you've loved from childhood or something that's clearly resonated with you from family and then have somebody else, not exactly butcher it,
2: but not do it the way it should be. Hmm. Um, okay. So for me, this story had aspects that were interesting and then I got tired of reading it and it was so long. It just, it was, um... It it reminds me of, um, I think I was walking home from a friend's house at some point in the summer when I was, you know, in like 10, 11, 12 or something like that. And I was in like jeans and and something else and it poured and it was just a slog getting home. But it was like, it started out as a nice walk and then, you know, it was just, it was heavy and I was tired. Um, And that's kind of how I felt reading the story. And I think there were a lot of good concepts. There were, there was an interesting way and an interesting mechanic that the story had. And then it was 10 times as long as I wanted it to be. Um, and it didn't feel like there was any progression between the beginning and the end, you know, maybe a little bit of progression at the end, some progression at the beginning, and then the, the entire center was a rehashing yeah. of what happened in the beginning. mm mm-hmm. Um, and so m- the dish that I'm going to say this is, is, um, very, very well cooked and well, as in like well done, uh, <laughs> as opposed to appropriately, uh, like a steak well done, uh, split pea soup that was seasoned only on the top.
1: Oh, damn it, BJ. Okay. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yours can be the same, Sarah. It's allowed. Um, you guys, I like, that thoroughly amuses me, um, And, you know, maybe it has like some bacon crumbles on top to like spruce it up. And then like, you think that something else is going to happen and then you just have a way too big bowl and it tastes exactly the same (laughs) and a little sad.
1: So, um, I have actually kind of my, my take on this is, is in some ways, a little bit of both of what you, or is a combination of what both of you have talked about. So Spencer, I mean, I think. It was relatively evident from our conversation that um, I was getting very particular beloved vibes from this Mm -hmm. as well. Um, My problem is that while that was sort of like helpfully nostalgic to you, I couldn't get past the fact that this was doing a version of something I loved so much. Sure. Um, And at the same time, BJ, to to your point, Part of what was so interminable about it was the middle of the story, which felt like nothing mm-hmm. was happening, which bleeds mm-hmm. into the end of the story, which feels like nothing is happening and so I was mad at you about your split pea soup um, because I was going to adopt uh, terry my husband terry 's perspective on soup, which I love <laughs> soup like I, so I have to inhabit someone else 's perspective around soup, which is that he can't stand it but because regardless of what type of soup you have there you don't get different tastes or bites or sensations as go when you're going through soup um and while normally i find that comforting in the context of this story i find it annoying and so to me it's not quite a a split pea soup consistency but i will say it's maybe a sort of subpar minestrone where you are perhaps excited about the first couple of bites the first couple of sentences of this story, maybe the first couple of paragraphs, because they're short, I was excited about. And then yep. the middle of it is all just a slog to get through.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there, there, there was a twist at the end, um, which is the bay leaf that was left in
2: that <laughs> should mud, have been taken out. It, yeah. It was a twist that you didn't
0: want. Yes. Um, a sudden crunch in the middle of the show.
1: Yes. And so this, this twist about... Um, our main character's womb being planted in the ground, I could have done without mm-hmm. in this story. I don't know what have, would have been there instead, but I didn't need it.
2: <laughs> um, I imagine you ordering what what is said to be a crock of minestrone, assuming that that'll be a reasonable size, and you get just like a crock pot set in yes. front of you, and you go, oh.
1: <laughs> oh boy, that... that was not what I thought okay. it was going to be. Yes, that is that is okay. essentially it.
0: I find these comparisons hilarious because you guys love to make fun of me and my willingness to eat the same soup for like two <laughs> weeks on end when I make our industrial-sized big pot of soup. So <laughs> this may reflect a bit of a distinction between us, but
2: I... Which is also very funny because I, I think that of all of the people that are on any Mangum pod and people we know, the three of us probably love soups the most. And That's I, true. <laughs> I might rival you, you, Sarah, with how much I love soup. I... <laughs>
1: Every time I will, I will tell you, if Terry is not going to be home for an evening, I immediately plan the soup that I'm going to
0: make. (laughs) Terry's views on soup are very, are very distinct and very different than my own. Um,
2: And mm -hmm. we had very funny conversations when I was just like, well, what about ramen? Like, it's not, it is different. Like a lot of Asian soups, he's like, all right, fine. But like, that's not real soup. (laughs) <laughs> I,
0: it, it, I'm one of those scenarios where I completely agree with what you guys say about the story. I think in particular it is just too damn long. And that's part because the thing I find interesting, the process of healing and that repetition and support that goes into that, I find interesting, but that is the kernel of what so much else is occurring around mm-hmm. that most mm-hmm. of which just feels uh, irrelevant and odd. Yeah. But for a story that we all agree on. Yes. <laughs> 10 excerpts from the Bibliography on the Cannibal Women of Ratnavar Island. One of y'all go first. Mm-hmm. Let's mix up the order for how we go through this. Um, I can go I'm with gonna... this because I, okay. I have, I have very
1: clear views on this. This is far and away my favorite story that we read, so I'm happy, happy to go first here. Um, I love everything about this story as evidenced by the episode we did about it. So I'm not going to rehash all of that. I just think that it is beautifully constructed. It is happening in an, in an interesting form and it is telling a consistent narrative on multiple different levels as far as the form goes so i was thrilled with all of it and so for me as far as dishes goes uh, this is a little bit apart from an actual meal itself but this is a perfectly constructed tasting menu Hmm.
3: um
1: that i feel i am being led through an experience with um and so all of the kind of elements of taste are combining together at every different moment to give me something new that is building together to an experience that I enjoy. I like it.
2: Um, that's actually similar to what I was going to say. Um, and a little bit of a spoiler. This also was definitely my favorite, <laughs> um, story, uh, just in how it was put together, it was short to the point. It it's everything that I wanted from a short story. It was well done. Um, and. I, I know I'd be happy to recommend it to people. Um, and what I was going to say, and I, you know, I kind of, I might, I, I'm not going to change it, but if I were to change it <laughs> after what you said, Sarah, um, so what I was go- going to say is uh, a nice plate of nigiri, mm-hmm.
3: of mm-hmm. different fish, because, mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. you know, there there is that sense of similarity, but each individual excerpt is very different. Mm-hmm. But there is a, uh, you know, an overall story in mind. And so the other, the way I change it is like an omakase where, where the chef is preparing different bites for you, mm-hmm. like a curated tasting menu. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep with uh, a plate of nigiri. And like we discussed in the episode, I don't think it's any surprise. This was my favorite too. <laughs>
0: uh, it was so carefully crafted and it was so much as a surprise to go through it. When I originally looked at it, I was kind of dreading reading the story because It's not in anything resembling a typical short story that I've read before. It is very uniquely structured. It is very uniquely intended in terms of how you go through it and the uniqueness of the experience you have in each aspect of it. And just the more we went through it, the more we discussed it, every part of it was so carefully laid and had so much of a purpose and intent behind it. It resonates so well with various things that I'm connected with and various things that I have perspective on. And it comes across as just such a unique package to experience. For me, it... what well, you guys have said a various tastings brought into it. Um, this reminds me of a pasta I ordered at a local uh, Italian place near me, of where I ordered it purely because the waiter recommended it, the same way I always do, I just ask the waiter's recommendation whenever I don't know what I want, what I want to do. <laughs> and it was the last thing on the menu I ever would have ordered, of where it was a, hand, it was a handmade stuffed pasta with apple and nuts in it, mm-hmm. served with a savory sauce. And that's not what I think when I order Italian. It's, this isn't what I would think whenever a short story, but I now, it is now my default dish whenever I go there and I recommend it to everybody because it was such a, such a wonderful mix of flavors brought in between sweet and savory and everything else rolled into one piece in a way I never would have experienced before other
2: than somebody encouraged me to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Interesting. And that screams the story to me. All right. I, I, we have very different experiences ordering in restaurants and, and getting information from waiters. I think the most common one, especially in Chinese places, it. I get is, are you sure you want to order that? <laughs> um, all right. So on to our last two stories. Um, we have um, the list of stor- the catalog of storms, and Do Not Look Back, My Lion. Yes. Um, let's do a catalog of storms first because I have a feeling I know where this is going to go. <laughs> um, I will start. Please. Um, this was to me was fine i i mm-hmm. I hope I don't remember it um, <laughs> because of how mediocre it was mm. um it it just it seemed like there was a concept that the author had that might have been interesting if if they'd committed to to what it is and so you know we talked about it in our episode you know is this uh are these storms? actual storms? Or is it some sort of emotional upheaval? Um, is is somebody turning into a storm, like some emotional thing that happens with them? Or do they literally turn into a storm? Like, is this a, a high fantasy world? Um, and none of that was made clear. And so it just it, it felt like that, that that uh, sort of waffling of of the idea of the story came through and was just very forgettable. The language was reasonable. Um, and, and so when we've talked about short stories and developing characters or worlds or plot or something, nothing happened here. Like there was essentially no development. There was just none of that, but it was reasonably well-written. Um, and so to me, this is, uh, like whipped potato that doesn't have enough butter or garlic (laughs) or salt or anything like that, but it is like the perfect consistency. And so, it's much more of a problem for what's not there.
3: mm mm -hmm. Well, sir.
2: Uh, Spencer. Oh, for me?
0: Uh, Yeah. Much the same, honestly. This is a story of where there are definitely parts of this I could have found fascinating, but they are minuscule compared to what actually is produced. The actual piece here is utterly unsuccessful to me. That... I don't know what its point is, I don't know what purpose it's really going for, and I think it's almost lost itself about what it actually wants to accomplish. And that's disappointing. It seems like there was an opportunity to artistry here. It seems like this story has a lot of the hallmarks that would be catnip for critics and catnip for, you know, this award, but it's just utterly un- unsuccessful in its execution. I mean, I liked the actual catalog of storms, the namesake of the entire story. And nothing else about how, it, about what it does. It comes across as a bit of a jumbled mess, masquerading as artistry. So I previously described this in dessert terms and I'll stick to it, where it's kind of like an artfully produced layer cake, um, that has lots of various bells and whistles put alongside of it, that has already fallen over by the time it's been delivered to my table. Mm. And that upon tasting it, as pretty as it looked, as much potential as it had when I was ordering on the menu, it's flavorless.
1: All right. So. I like to think I'm a pretty savvy reader in the world. I have a, a couple of degrees that might suggest this, although those are not really indicative of anything. Um, I didn't understand the story at all. Hey! I'm not alone. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on in the story. And it did have, it had some beautiful language in it. It had some, like, be- nice some really artfully created moments in it as I think you both articulated very well but like I had no idea what was happening here and I don't know that I could have described this in a dish um before today happened so maybe the universe is aligning in some sort of way uh but uh Terry ordered food today from uh Merritt's Grill which is a a well-known and well-respected Um, kind of deli sandwich shop in Chapel Hill, like very much known for its bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwiches, uh, blah, blah, blah. But he ordered a couple of sandwiches to come in because we are in quarantine times and you must order food to come in. And, uh, one of the sandwiches that he ordered was supposed to be a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. And, um, there was only bacon on it. And there was mayonnaise that was not described in the, in the sandwich blurb on the website. Or on the menu. And uh, it was really quite baffling to why you would have th- three servings of bacon on a sandwich with nothing else except for mayonnaise. And this is how I felt about this story.
2: Which is interesting because you are indicative that there are people in, maybe, I think it's Britain, that rave about bacon sandwiches, which I, which I think is mainly consisting of bacon and sometimes like a mayonnaise-like product.
1: Yes, I feel like the, the ratios and or the bread that is used is different because this was like a dry mm-hmm. bacon on bread gotcha. with a smear of mayonnaise. Like it was not. I think that there are, to your point, BJ, I think there are ways, and perhaps to the story's point as well,
2: mm-hmm. there
1: are ways of making a bacon sandwich
2: and this wasn't that works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think we're just in different, in different areas of the world. Yeah, but this was baffling to me. I did I, I do not feel bad about admitting that I have no idea what was going on in this story.
0: <laughs> I, I, I was so reassured when we talked about that both then and now that I was not alone in just being utterly confused what the point was.
1: I still don't know. yep and I'm not sure I care. <laughs> yeah. The bacon sandwich was thrown away.
2: Uh, oh, well, mostly uh, because
1: we didn't. Know, Terry didn't know that there was mayonnaise on it, and so it sat out on the counter for six hours.
2: Oof. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. So
0: it was thrown away. I feel like it's almost almost the the biggest indictment you can ever have of a story like this is that I just don't care. That that, that seems to be the most strong challenge to what the story's
2: probably going for. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So we have one story left, right?
2: We do. Uh, Sort of. So so (laughs) I will get to that. One more nominee. Um, One more Hugo Award nominee, um, which is uh, Do Not Look Back My Lion. Um, and, uh, when we talked about this and, uh, it was one of the most straightforward stories I think that we have that is sort of very common. Um, it was done fairly well and it had some twists that, that, uh, that were a little bit interesting. So I, I actually quite enjoyed this story. Um, I liked the story that it told, I, you know, I liked the character progression, um, and I would probably recommend it to other people. Um, There was, uh, again, you know, as we talked about it, there was a little less exploration of the world than I felt was necessary for the the details that were peppered in. Um, And so as I remember what I said about this, and I'm going to go with it again, is um, it's a really good BLT with um, some uh, a bunch of orange zest, <laughs> and so it may or may not go. It doesn't really add anything. It's just different, and not in a way that makes it stand out particularly. And more of a way that is just like, okay, well, that's a thing. Hmm. How about you, sir?
1: Um, so for me, I, I actually I really enjoyed this story. There were things I think that came out in our discussion of it that like you know, we're not, uh, not necessarily choices I would have made or, or things that I think were perhaps a little token. Um, but I actually, I really, really liked reading this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, if I were going to assign a, a kind of dish to it, this is a, just like a solid main course for me. Um, and you could, you could assign that any particular sort of food stuff that you wanted, um, Mm-hmm. But for any given meal, if you were doing a multi-course meal, like for me, in the selection of stories that we have been given, this is kind of a, a just, okay, what counts as the main course?
2: I'm going to d- kind of decide it for you, though. Okay. I'm going to say <laughs> that it that it's a, a grouper Okay. with a weird remoulade.
1: Oh, that's probably true. And like, maybe you actually don't want a dairy-based remoulade with a grouper, but it's there. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I did, perfectly fair. Happy to take that on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just a good like. And this this is a mixed metaphor now, BJ. Thank you. But it's a good meat and potatoes story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Spencer, I, I very much agree with that. Where it it is very well structured. It's it's effectively written, and it kind of serves as a bit of a standout among the rest of these stories in the sense that it is the most straightforward narrative. I feel. Of, pretty much the ones that we've read, mm-hmm. It is a. it feels like a weird nominee in the sense that there's not much that really stands out about it. I mean, we talked about some of the aspects with respect to gender that make it distinct and unique, and maybe it's part of the reason that it was nominated, but otherwise it just comes across as this feels like an addition to a nice compilation of short stories. Uh, it's very classically fantasy tropey, it's got some interesting enough spins on them, it was very pleasant to read i quite i quite enjoyed it both in terms of reading it and talking about it and i would probably rec it, it's one of those things where it's almost hard to recommend not because it's not successful but because it's not much to stand out about it mm-hmm. it is perfectly good it is perfectly solid and that's that's a successful thing when it comes to a short story that is hard enough to do it just mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have that additional flair to make make it really you know rise above the rest necessarily even though it's better than a lot of those that have more flair. In terms of a meal, I described this before and I'm gonna stick to that kind of idea. It's like going into the experience of this story as compared to its other you know nominees. It's like going into a really fine dining restaurant of where I'm not in the mood for any of that. (laughs) I don't want any of the things that this chef is just advertising anybody. I walk in I sit down and say, and look at the menu for a half a second, toss it aside, and off-menu, order a burger. <laughs> and very begrudgingly, the chef delivers me a burger, which is off-menu. It has things not, on it that shouldn't. Off-menu, not prepared at all, has various additions to justify the fact that he's the one making this. And then, in the end of it, you know what? That was a damn good burger, and I was in the mood for a damn good burger it's odd in terms of the setting that it came in but i wanted a burger i got a burger and that was a very good burger in a way that i did not expect that that i would get from this particular
2: medium
1: <laughs> all right okay well we are we um, have some interesting meals that we're dealing yeah,
2: with yeah we now. have some interesting meals and and so i guess the um before we get into the meal the the meal that we would end up eating itself uh, i sort of want to talk about a couple of things one is Um, I'd like to go over, like sort of rank the stories kind of quickly Mm -hmm. and what we would nominate, but I also want to mention that there's a lot of overlap between the Hugos that we write and the Nebulas that the winner already came out. And i I find that overlap interesting and maybe we'll read, um, the last three stories in the Nebula nominees so we can sort of complete the, uh, group. Mm-hmm. And sort of talk about them as a group of nine, as opposed to just a group of six mm-hmm. coming up. Um, so it sounds like everybody has uh, 10 excerpts as number one. Far and away. Yeah, and very much so. Bo- both for follow- quality and enjoyment, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, followed by Do Not Look Back My Lion.
1: I think I would put that as number 2 for me if we're just going on a kind of enjoyment of reading scale.
0: Mhm. Spencer? Yeah, very much for enjoyment it would be number 2. You know what? And just in terms of overall success, it would be competing for number 2 or number 3 for me. And just in mm-hmm. terms of it's hard to write a short story and this one does it. Mm-hmm. it there's there's yeah. there's no there's no real honest to god flaws here. I mean, the only thing I would say about flaws is some of the
2: additions to make it unique. Even those aren't mm-hmm. bad. They're still interesting to talk about. Right. Um, and so, for me, and I, I guess I'm a little surprised looking back, because I probably, when I, st- when I first read them, I probably would have said, as the last time I know, was two. Mm, but, like, mm-hmm. as we've talked about them and I've read them again, as the last time I know, for me, is three.
0: I would say for enjoyment, three. Possibly Structure would be competing for number two, but yeah, on the whole, I think the overall enjoyment knocks it down to three.
1: Sarah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: what would be your num- what would be your number three what would be your number three um, or your number two if you want to do it different from enjoyment and quality
1: no I actually um, I I well I don't know I think I, I still would put um, do not look back my lion just kind of generally number two um, I honestly this middle bit gets difficult for me but I actually just from me and what I would like not necessarily what I would recommend to other people as we've Endlessly mm-hmm. delineated, yeah. um, yep. but I, I would probably put, and now his lordship is laughing, number three for me sure okay
0: um, no i'm so i'm curious how we 're wrapping up the bottom three because these seem like we're going to disagree for a bit, <laughs> quite a bit for some of these
2: yes <laughs> and and I think that's interesting in like where we rank things because um I think for four. I would go with the now his lordship is laughing for sort of similar reasons that sarah has it higher Mm -hmm. like i think there were interesting aspects to it um the writing could have been easier maybe a little shorter stuff like that um spencer blood blood is another word for hunger uh okay
0: i it had an it had enough successful parts to interest me more than the other two did i think it there were aspects of it that succeeded with me more so mm-hmm. than the others did. The, for these bottom three stories, I think ultimately they're unsuccessful short stories for various reasons. But I thought this one was closer to a success just because of how many parts worked, even if the overall picture
2: didn't. Yep. Sarah?
1: Um, I think the next one I might put. Hmm, I think that I would do Blood is another word for hunger next. Okay. Um, I found it. I found that I didn't like it for a lot of reasons, um, but I did appreciate some of the harkening back that it was doing. Um, yeah, and I thought that the the kind of language that it was using was good. Just the entire plot itself was unremarkable to me.
2: <laughs> Interesting. So if i have it correct you 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 would have last as i may know in the bottom two
1: i would and that is only because like i actually remember blood is another word for hunger more than i do as as um as the last i may know
2: gotcha and i think that's a
1: function of the language itself
2: okay um so for me the last two in order is going to be blood is another word for hunger and a catalog of storms Mm -hmm. um mostly because i think there are parts of blood is another word for hunger, where I got bored, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was reading the same thing. And in a short story, that's just really problematic. Mm -hmm. But the most problematic is I have no idea what's going on. I don't care to read it again, and I not only have mostly forgotten it, I want to forget it. (laughs) in a catalog of storms.
1: If I were going to do my last two actually, kind of coming off the end of that, I actually would put a catalog of storms for me above as the last I may know. Oh, interesting. And it's partially because like, I feel like, and this is maybe, I think that this might be a failing in my reading and not in the stories themselves. I feel like there's something that I should be getting in a catalog of storms that I'm not.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And
1: this goes back, I think, that maybe, Spencer, to something you were saying, and I can't remember a, what story it was about, but, like, I just, the more I think about it, the more I don't care about, as the last I may know. And <laughs> yeah, that's
0: perfectly fair. That's I the just reason don't we're <laughs> doing this is because for the sake of our differences, because we have them. <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, I mean, last two for me it would be in order, and now is Lordship is Laughing, and the Catalogue of Storms and Last Pace. As much as I didn't like the overall package, of now his as lordship is as laughing. There's still a lot of potential there. There's a lot of there's a lot of pieces that I thought would have been fascinating to go into greater depth with, and there's a certain element of disappointment when I look back at the story because of that. Whereas mm-hmm. by comparison, a catalog of storms, there is one thing I liked. There's one, and focusing on that will require a complete rewrite, which I found the concept of doing <laughs> that rewrite more interesting than the story. Fair. And. Yeah, that, that, that wraps it. That is my bottom. It's just that it isn't successful. And
2: that's all I can really say about it. Um, interesting. So I'm going to take the top three of each of our stories um, and, and describe the, the meal that we would have. <laughs> um, Sarah, you start out with a, a tasting menu of amuse-bouches, mm-hmm. followed by a grouper with, uh, of, uh, with a remoulade uh, and a side of tough, dense bread.
1: I'm fine with that. <laughs>
2: um, Spencer, you start off with a, uh, pasta stuffed with apples and nuts, followed by a burger, um, <laughs> in a place that you're uncomfortable with. Um, and lastly, a very, very well prepared, uh, dessert of, of unknown, uh, origin. I, happily. Um, I have a very weird meal with a plate of nigiri followed by a BLT with orange peel <laughs> and a fruit tart. Oh, BJ, that just screams you.
1: I feel like all of um, these meals sort of encompass. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, which I thought was very funny, and, and I really like that. Um, this is
1: this is a pretty good experiment we have done here.
2: <laughs> I'm getting
0: a plate of of uh, designer appetizer pasta, a burger, and a, and a wonderful
2: dessert. I'm happy. This is a good day. <laughs> but um, now that we have finished our meal... So let's talk about... Um, some one-star reviews that you have, Sarah. Oh, boy.
1: Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Maybe we could <laughs> use these to start out in an episode where we actually do the nebula.
2: <laughs> sure.
0: That's fine. <laughs> Award winners, um, so I feel but, like
1: we have had quite an To, so,
0: so to we'll, explain the joke that we've yeah. been making all episode... <laughs>
1: Oh my Sarah, gosh! So you had a
0: you had a carefully crafted piece prepared that kind of went off the rails before we even began. I
1: did. I don't for well. I guess since the beginning of when we started talking about these award nominees, I thought that we were talking about the Nebula Award nominees and not the Hugo Award nominees, and so all of my segments have been very carefully crafted around the Nebula <laughs> Awards, <laughs> um, culminating in in some controversy around the Nebula Award nominees that I would like to perhaps discuss on the next episode.
0: Sold. Yeah. Although they are related to
1: both of them, I will say.
0: Yeah. Because three of the ones that were nominated for the Hugo that we have read were part of the Nebula nominees, but three other ones, including the ultimate
2: winner, are entirely different. Yes. Right. And so I I basically wanted to mention that and go through it. So hopefully we'll read these three short stories Mm -hmm. for our next episode. Mm -hmm. Um, which is give the family my love, the dead in their uncontrollable power, and how the trick is done. Um, and so the three overlap are, and now his lordship is laughing, ten excerpts, and a catalog of storms. I'm angry. And I'm really curious, first of all, how catalog of storms got in both of these, yeah. and two... How, like, what is Give the Family My Love that that it beat out 10 excerpts?
1: Yeah, because we are, Um, at this point, we are very clear on what our winner would be.
2: Yeah, and and also interesting that the winner wasn't an overlap. And so I wonder if it's, like, how they're chosen or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but I'm probably not going to go to the effort to find that out.
0: <laughs> I, I'm reminded when pondering why *Catalog of Storms* keeps getting nominated, my dad's review of that. When I asked him what his mm-hmm. thoughts were,
3: mm.
0: was that there was a pro- it was a long sigh, and then he just said, "It's the kind of poetic bullshit they always nominate for these things." <laughs> and fair enough, that may be true.
1: And I would like to point um, out that the kind of poetic bullshit that they always nominate for these things, quote unquote, is not the uh, the locus of the internet disdain that I have for my outrageous one-star reviews the next time we come back to this. Gotcha. Shockingly yeah. enough. Okay. Um,
0: well, Beatrice, well, you prepared a digestif for us to wrap up our meal for the evening. Uh, what, yes. What did you
2: recommend? So I sent out a short story that in many ways wasn't really supposed to be on pod per se. It was just a short story that I stumbled upon I think because it was in the same email that I got about the Hugo Ward announcement. Mm. And it was just a delightful little short story that, that I, in my head was going to be like Sarah's, uh, next favorite short story after the, um, a witch's guide to, Mm -hmm. uh, portal escape fantasies, or I I can't remember (laughs) the 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 title title was, Mm -hmm. um, it was a very, very long title um, about a librarian, and so th- this was, um, I think, entitled Little Free Library. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it was just a, a fun little free library. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's
1: written by an author that we've encountered befo- before
2: yes, in a short story that it's... we all loved. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, so Naomi Kritzer is the, the author of this story, and to your point, uh, BJ, I will sort of uh, spoil all of
2: this and say that I love
1: this story so much.
2: Um, and I, this is one, and I, and we've talked a little bit about when we, when we read cat pictures, please, that it's, it's a happy short story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel like we get, we don't get many of them. There are some that, that are interesting that tell a good story, but they're not sort of happy go lucky almost like a, you know, kids' TV show kind of mm-hmm. story. It,
0: it almost feels rare, just compared to the other short stories we read, that this type of fantasy, it's, I mean, some of the other, there's, there's various categories when it comes to science fiction and fantasy, where a lot of hard sci-fi or a lot of, some authors view sci-fi as an opportunity to provide commentary on the present, analyze various problems, analyze various issues and put that in a medium that lets people see it with, you know, less prejudgment attached to it. And a lot of the stories that we've been reading so far have been going into those kind of heady themes of the present, seen through different lines and perspectives. There's another category of science fiction and fantasy that's just unbridled, joyous escapism.
2: But, I would say that it it does end on, on a fairly sad note, mm-hmm. even it does. though, I, but it, it's so weird because, like, I can't, like, I have trouble describing it as anything but fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: And
1: so I wonder if that's a, a function of really the style in which the writing is taking place
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. as opposed and to the plot 90... itself, because like there's a version of this story that is as dark as the cloud nonsense that we read, um, <laughs> that just isn't successful. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that 90% of the, the story is just really fun. And then it has sort of an interesting twist in the plot um, so that at the end, that doesn't change it a lot because it's off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the story itself is centered around, uh, hey. it's really hard not to imagine you, Sarah. Um, Yeah,
1: I will, I will serve as a stand-in for this if we need to, to talk about the plot.
2: Sarah, I'll be uh, honest.
0: You were my stand-in. <laughs> I <in> the story. <laughs>
2: If only, this if young only. woman moves to St. Paul in, a, you know, a, a cozy little house and doing her cozy little thing in her house and, and she finds out that there are these little free libraries and decides that she has to make her own and sort of goes into this arts and crafts, uh, flurry of activity and builds her own specially decorated little free library, um, which if any of our listeners don't know, is basically this sort of little, um, bird feeder like object but instead of bird feed and in, in a birdhouse, house it, it has like a couple shelves for some books that are take a book leave a mm-hmm. book
0: which at least the free, little free libraries that are near me quickly get really weird as time mm-hmm. goes on in terms of what books are inside them it's either a, just a mess of just very cheap paperbacks or increasingly extreme literature in various ways that start to occur in them but interesting so, uh yeah, some of them can be pretty strange over time.
1: They have also, and this is referenced in the story, they've been repurposed and not repurposed, but part of them has been also dedicated to kind of other things. So I've seen a lot of them that have perhaps food um, for people who who need some sort of shelf-stable food, but they're, they have also, I think, frequently been repurposed into, into sort of like seed exchanges, depending on <laughs> what kind of community
0: you're <laughs> living in. They're, they're a wonderful, the wonderful concept in terms mm-hmm. of bringing community together in various fun ways. Yes, including, including yep. in the story in ways clearly the creator of this little free ma- little free library did not intend.
1: Well, there are different communities yes. being brought together,
2: <laughs> <laughs> including portals between worlds. As it turns out, yes, yeah. Um, and so uh, this young woman fills up her fr- little library with some copies of books that she very much enjoys, um, and maybe some that she wants to get rid of. Um, and shortly therein, uh, all of the books are taken. Yeah. Quickly goes off the rails from her perspective. Um, and so she repopulates the, the shelves with some of her books and then writes a note that basically says, uh, please take only one or two at a time and, you know, consider leaving for some, some, somebody else that, because, you know, this is more of an exchange or a library than a, I'm giving away my mm-hmm. books.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is clearly tinged with a little bit of sarcastic frustration that, you know, she had this great idea, she's new to this community, she wants to be able to connect with people in this way, in a way that's very impersonal her and she shares, and then week one, someone ruins it.
2: Yeah.
1: But Uh, she's 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 very polite about it. Um, And you know, she gets back in return, one book is taken. Uh, which I don't, off the top of my head, remember exactly what the book was. But she gets a, a um, note in return. Pawn
2: of Prophecy. As well
1: as a gif.
2: Yep. A little uh, hand-carved whistle. Uh,
0: do, do you either know the Pawn of Prophecy or the Queen of Sorcery? I don't know either of those books. No.
2: Mm. Okay. I'm not familiar with those. They, they seem very sword and sandal kind of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there seems to be this continued exchange of uh, little pieces of art for... Uh, fantasy books
1: or sometimes even just pieces of what seemed to be kind of the natural world except a little off from what you might
0: yep. expect and I would like yep. to offer as a rebuttal to every view that BJ has that one of the things that's key to driving this relationship between these two unseen characters is the Lord
2: of the Rings the thing that brings <laughs> us all together and makes the plot happen yes um, but I also want to mention the uh, blackbird feather mm-hmm um, if, apparently if you uh, shine like UV light on it you get a very interesting reflected pattern.
0: Oh interesting. Well, you mean you, oh. you can often see that with crows and grackles with just even different tinges of light. Their uh, feathers can appear very
2: oddly multicolored when the, when, when the light strikes them mm-hmm. loudly. Um, and then after a couple of these exchanges with uh, the initial uh, foray into the Lord of the Rings there, we, there is a note that's given to the librarian, mm-hmm. um, basically asking to, to read about the sequel to, to the Lord of the Rings, because they, they somehow got through
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> Not only did they get through it, but it is clearly inspirational to them for where this story ultimately goes, in terms of little people fighting against an omnipresent evil dark force and somehow overcoming. This is what that, that, that whatever it is, what we imagine this creature is on the other side of the world, desperately needed in that moment.
2: Uh, yes, and so we have some more exchanges and the, um, uh, Megan Megan, uh, decides to ask for um, art or things that, that they've created in, in return for uh, the books that, that she's curating mm-hmm. for them. Um, and so there continues to be an exchange where she keeps getting things that, that are similar to our world, but a little bit different in... Okay uh maple leaf that has like spikes on it mm-hmm. um and a coin that doesn't seem of our world but a, a, a nice heavy you know a small but but gold coin mm-hmm. um and then and, uh a, go ahead and throughout all of this
0: she's increasingly unsuccessfully around nine trying to justify that this is merely an eccentric neighbor yes. that mm-hmm. Sure, Nothing weird is going on. This is a leaf that no one has ever seen before, and that my expert in botany friend cannot identify. But you know, maybe that can still make sense. And sure, this is actually a gold coin that's worth several hundred dollars. But you know, maybe a neighbor's just kind of sh- an artistic neighbor's just kind of shy, and this is their way of introducing themselves and saying hello. Which she increasingly realizes none of this actually makes any sense. But she's committed to find out
2: what more is going to come.
1: Especially as we get to kind of the next actual note that happens.
2: Yeah. So she leaves a book called Defending Your Castle, um, which she didn't really go through and read, but it talks about castle defenses. Mm-hmm. And um, this one resonates well. Yes. Very so grateful
1: interlocutor.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I I really appreciate it. You know, I believed our cause to be lost And I believe that that, um, there wouldn't be an opportunity to revenge what was done to my family, but I've been gifted a way forward. Please, you know, I will will pay you gold for for these books. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we then set up an exchange where uh, Megan puts in books about uh,
0: practical guides in history.
2: (laughs) Yes, uh, strategy and uh, war making, basically civilization, even building aqueducts, how to rebuild civilization, all guides
0: to help uh, to help what she now is interpreting this cause to be. And she starts to get more letters that help explain
2: what the hell is going on, kind of. Yeah. And so apparently the person on the other side of these books is a servant to the queen and heir who was displaced by her uncle. um, And they're basically trying to get her installed. Mhm. Uh against what is a significantly more powerful force that is uh
0: aiming to, well, keep the current status quo.
2: Yep. Um and so after a couple more tactical manuals and, th- and things like that, um she gets another note that says, you know, pray for our victory. Thank you for your help.
0: Mhm.
2: And um
0: Though though a couple other books are taken hereafter, and she's left with nearly $1,300 worth in gold, which was a nice seemingly couple weeks that she's been doing this on, there's no further response and no further books taken. Until. Until. uh, What serves as quite a swerve from where I anticipated the story was going to wrap up.
2: Yep. Um, She finally gets a note that says, All is lost. Our superior weaponry could not match their advantage of numbers. Our last hope is to send my lady's child forth into your keeping before they are upon us. As you keep books, so you may, uh, so may you keep her child. And there's a box with straw lining and an egg, and it closes with, what do you do with eggs? Well, you keep it warm. And she took it inside.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I love this ending so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I, I'm gotta ask you guys. We all love this story. It was an absolute
2: pleasure. Mm-hmm. Can you put it to no. words? Why? Yes. BJ. <laughs> it, so it, it tells, it has the right excerpt. It has the right amount of story being told. It has, it's fun. It's funny. Um, we, see, we see the exchanges that we need to see. Mm-hmm. And we get the sense of Megan and her interaction with this box we get sort of just the right amount of um, of notes that are sent back and forth to, to get a feel for what this interaction is like and how um, the main character feels and how she anticipates going to uh, her uh, little free library, the books that she puts in it and how she reacts to it. And they're very, it's a very understandable character. Um, the the books that she chooses are ones that we're familiar with for the most part, um, or at least familiar with it, the generality, and it tells just the right amount of story from the other side. So we can imagine what's going on and ends with things that we can imagine for the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that like, this is not to say that, that this is how all short stories should go, but the, the particular kind of function of this short story in developing an understandable world and then deviating from that I think is is really brilliantly done. But what makes me, so the course of this story and the tone and the style it takes are all like deeply resonant with me, but what Mm -hmm. I love in relation to that tone and style and what really threw me over the edge with this short story is the opening up into possibility at the end,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the allowing of that to be an unknown, and sometimes and, and that can the- seem really hokey when you do that. But I think this was done brilliantly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to say, like, I just I like the matter of fact nature into which it's uh, addressed, and it's like, well, what else would you do with it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. What about Spencer. you, Spencer? Yeah. Uh-
0: this story just had such charm. I mean, it's the magical whimsy that goes into it is something that always resonates well with me and the bleeding together of worlds and how that all plays out. But one of the things we've talked about before in these stories that my mind is a key to being successful or not, is knowing absolutely what you want to be and going about doing that. And this story is just so utterly confident in what story it wants to tell and what the pieces that are going to be, including in the delightful ending. which you guys said is a risk to do an ending like this, mm-hmm. but it feels so earned and successful in terms of bringing about this moment what we've just seen of the main character and how she goes about things previously in the story. It's, this is a, it's such a wonderful story to recommend to other people because it is wonderfully pleasant to read. It's very, has a wonderful flow to it, at never any point did I feel like I was throwing a change up in terms of experiencing it. It's carefully, It's carefully well crafted and well written. I mean, it's pretty simply written, but it's well done in terms of how it's played out. And the is just such an absolute pleasure. This is, I, I love that we've been describing these various things in terms of drinks, because this is just such a wonderful way to end the night, in terms of this story. Is that you're wrapped <laughs> up in your covers, you're reading for a few minutes to get a story done, you finish this, and you cannot help but have a smile on your face as you end up going to sleep from there. And that just brings back to me how much I experienced this kind of genre of literature growing up, and it's so wonderful to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm.
2: So... Um, And something that that we might consider doing eventually is that, um, so the Locus, the Nebula and the Hugo are all going to have short stories every year and a group that they nominate. And I'm sort of curious what ends up being the overlap. And so her previous um, story, Cat Pictures, Please, was a Nebula Award nominee and won the Locus and the Hugo. Mm -hmm. Really? I didn't actually know that. So. I'm sort of curious what what's gonna end up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see next year if this gets nominated because of how much we all liked it. Here's a question.
0: Uh, from what information has been provided, how did you picture the uh, creature on the other side that was sending her messages and taking her books? Did you have an image in your uh, mind or was it just a, a void there?
2: So at the end I did. Um, I, I sort of imagined, um, like a little dragon, Mm. like sort of like slightly larger than cat size, like dragon type species. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's what, what I ended up with. How about you, sir?
1: I like that. I think that that is closer to the interpretation I had in my head in the actual act of reading it. But just in our discussion, Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about like, (laughs) what if the world on the other side of this little free library is actually just a horrific, Horrific fantasy world, and so now, well, I think that your interpretation is, of course, correct. I can't stop thinking about like a a benty jellyfish.
2: Oh God! As,
1: as creature <laughs> on the other side.
2: That's really funny. Um, you also sort of remind me, like when you were starting to say that, not where you ended with jellyfish. <laughs> there's an episode of Futurama um, that where Bender's sort of off in space and ends up with, like, a whole civilization, like, colonizing his metal frame. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that, where it's just, like, some, like, weird, deformed, like, little elf-type thing. Um, but Spencer...
0: It's it's fair to note that what little glimpse we get into that world is not good. It It is no. it, it, it is a dark world that ends in tragedy for whatever, you know, insight we have into it. The the, the person that she's sharing this uh, communication with we have a lot of whimsy on our side on their side there's apparently a lot of pain desperation and relying on these uh, books and stories whatever else they're getting for a certain glimmer of hope that is ultimately dashed and as we all said we don't care we still view this story as happy in spite of all that uh my image actually was more of a bird person because i figured the feather that was um being provided was actually plucked from the person that was sending the notes
1: yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think that, that that interpretation makes a lot of sense, it's simply, yeah, based on the kind of presence that she is given, um, certainly something something tr- tree inhabiting seems yeah. correct.
0: T- to be fair, modern paleontologists are trying to ruin dinosaurs for me by giving them all feathers, so there's no reason that we can't both be right to a certain degree. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Um, you don't like feathered dinosaurs? I prefer not to see a gigantic chicken running across the street in Jurassic Park, no? Oh my God.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, this has been right, an so, interesting meal. y'all. <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so for next time we have another couple of short stories mm-hmm. and, and I swear to all of our listeners that we will eventually talk about the water dancer. <laughs> um, and um, I've been reading it. I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, and I look forward to both discussing the short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have how the trick is done give the family my love and the dead and their uncontrollable power. Um, and talking about all of those and maybe just sort of like the entire sense of the short stories that we have. Um, and maybe after we're done with uh water dancer, we can look at the, um, uh, the last group, which might be, um, the locusts mm-hmm. and see general overlap and then talk about like all of the short stories. But we'll see where we we end up. Um, But um, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for stuff that that we should read, things that we should discuss or anything like that, you can go to MangumTalks.com, click on the upper right hand side and contact us. And we read all those notes and suggestions and everything else. Um, We have our very own uh, Mangum Reads Facebook page. Um, and I assume you get there by like Facebook.com <laughs> slash Mangum Reads, but I don't actually know how that works. This um, is really helpful
1: information you're putting out in the world, BJ.
2: <laughs> but if you search for Mangum Reads, it should pop up with all, um, all of our release content, um, with all of the stories that we read from Mangum Reads, as well as our Podcast within a podcast, pottering around, and the uh, pottering around sub-related stuff in our YouTube channel. Um, so, so yeah, it's been fun as always, guys. Yep. Till next time. Bye, y'all.